So we're in our sixth week within our message series of the call to be a disciple. Last week we had a great message from Joanne and it was fantastic that you could share with us. And if you haven't caught up with it, it's up on the, the, the web as a video and also as a podcast. Catch up on those. But, you know, we've, we've gone through a number of different messages over this series. We've looked at, uh, at actually the importance of being called to be a disciple with the call of Simon, who was called Peter. We've looked at Andrew and his heart to be an evangelist. We've looked at James and how he was full of ambition. We've looked at John and how he's transformed from, from being full of anger to being full of love. And last week, Joanne shared with us about having Mary's heart and Martha's hands and how, as a disciple, we need to, to develop both attributes to be, to be willing to sit and listen to God, but also be willing to, to do what is needed. This week, we're going to be jumping in back into one of the 12 disciples, one of the apostles, and we're going to be focusing on Matthew this week. And we're specifically going to be focusing on how Matthew, by the call of Jesus Christ on his life, broke free from his past. And it's such a great example for us as well. You may remember in some of the weeks that I've said that that God calls everyone. And that God calls us just as we are. God calls us as imperfect people. And it's such a wonderful thing that, that God calls people for just who they are because I know that I'm certainly not perfect. But I know that God has called me. I know that he's asked me to follow him and to be a disciple. And I know that I've left God in charge of me and so important for us to actually understand that for our lives. That we are not bound by our past. God calls us to break free from our past. But let's kind of, let's delve into Matthew. Let's delve into this disciple, one of the apostles. Let's have a look at who he was, the background of Matthew. Now, we, we, we know a little bit about Matthew um, from some of the accounts in the Bible. Um, if you jump into uh, the call of Matthew in, in, in the book of Matthew, and, and we'll actually have a look at that a little later on, um, or in, in Mark or in Luke, they all have that account of Matthew being called by Jesus. We get more information about Matthew from the book in the Bible called Matthew, which is attributed to be the person that wrote it. Now, a little bit of you know, nuanced information into, into Matthew. Matthew is actually a, a Greek name, um, and it actually means gift of Yahweh. Um, and his Hebrew name is Levi, um, which means disciple. And it's, now, it's not unusual, you, you will notice that it's not unusual for um, the, those first century Jews to, to actually both have a Semitic, a Jewish name, and a Greco-Roman name. So in other words, the popular culture of the, the people around as well. Uh, and they would have two names. And so Matthew was Levi Matthew. But what was Matthew? What was his profession coming up into this? And he was a tax collector. Do we have any tax collectors today? 
No? no? Good. So we, we can make disparaging comments? No, we're not going to make disparaging comments. Um, see, the thing is that tax collectors were individuals who lived locally, but what they did is they exacted the Roman tax from the local population, from the Jewish citizens. Their fellow citizens, they got money for the invaders and taxed them. You know, the, the rabbi, the Jewish rabbis condemned their lifestyles. Uh, you know, they tend to be known as, as greedy in thieves who stole from the poor for their own gain. They were considered to be unclean. And that's a big thing in Jewish culture to be considered to be unclean. They were like lepers without having a disease. They were just a tax collector. They were considered unclean because of their dealings with the Gentiles, the Romans. And some were even Jews and, and, and they, would, they would work on the Sabbath. You know, ancient historians actually tell us that, that children even went up to them and spat on them. You know, it's not a particularly nice profession, thinking about it, when you look at it. You know, to be spat on and seen as unclean, the rabbis would, would even go as far as to condemn a house as being unclean if a tax collector had stepped into the doorway. They were shamed, they were lonely, they were pushed aside, they were spat on. They were the worst of the worst. They conspired with the enemy. And this is who Matthew is. He's a tax collector. And this is where he breaks free from his past. See, Matthew's name, if, if you have a look at the, the list of the, the disciples that were called, he comes in, depending on which account, um, in Matthew and Luke he comes in at the seventh name being called. In, in Matthew's gospel he's the eighth. So he's in that group, that second group of people being called. Um, and we know more about Matthew and Matthew's ministry from his gospel that he wrote. We know that he preached in various places after Jesus had been crucified and, and was raised again and ascended into heaven. He went out and he preached out far away, maybe even places as far as Ethiopia and Persia. But we get most of our understanding of who Matthew is and what he's like from the Gospel of Matthew. See, Matthew knew lots about the Old Testament. He knew it very well. And, and actually in his Gospel, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew quotes the Old Testament 99 times. That's more times than Mark, Luke and John all combined together. So he's actually really focused on the Jewish people understanding their own heritage and how it interacts with Jesus' story. Now you kind of, kind of understand this. How did he get so knowledgeable about the Old Testament? Since tax collectors were considered unclean and then therefore not allowed in the synagogue, how did he get that information? in his adult life? Was that he, you know, did he use that because of, of that he self-acquired it? Or did he remember it from early on in his earlier age when he was not actually doing the job of being a tax collector? But even all of that, you know, he, 
He knows the Old Testament really well. And if we have a look at the style and the focus and the language that Matthew uses and the themes he uses so that to portray who Jesus was, we, we understand that he, he really wants the Jewish people to see who Jesus is, that he is the one that Jesus commands and brings forward so that they would understand the, the kingdom of God. We also understand when we read through Matthew's book, the, the book of Matthew, we understand that um, he was a man of quiet humility, really. He strongly believed that superficial academic knowledge of scripture only led to pride and hypocrisy, which he, he mentioned time and time again, that that's what the Pharisees had. And he spoke with great hostility about the Pharisees and the teachers of the laws and the scribes. But think of it this way, when he's describing the Pharisees. And I just want to share, you, share with you a little bit from Matthew's Gospel, just on how he remembers Jesus describing the Pharisees and the teachers of the Lord. And we need to understand, when we look at the Bible, when we look at those Gospel accounts of Jesus' life, they're not like a court reporter recording every single word that is said. The different gospel writers remember the important statements that spoke to them individually and they record it down on their, in their books that they have. And see, Matthew remembers particularly some of the things that Jesus says about the Pharisees and the teacher of the Lord, which, which, which really come into the understanding of, of their prideful nature, their hypocrisy they have, that their superficial academic understanding of Scripture, but without a great heart to it. And it comes from, from Matthew 27, verses 20, no, 20, Matthew 23, verses 27 to 28, and it's this. This is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. What sorrow awaits you teaches the religious laws and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, for you are like, like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurities. Outwardly you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Can, can you see why Matthew picks this up? If he's been a tax collector all his adult life, He's been shunned aside. He's been spat on. He's been removed. He's, he said, you're unclean. You're horrible. That isn't a, a, a gospel of love. That is not a gospel of hope. Or That's a gospel of putting somebody down, pushing them away. You know, the Jewish leadership, the, the religious leaders treated him like scum. And no wonder he would remember what Jesus says about them to be white, white, like whitewashed tombs that they themselves are dead inside. They might look fine on the outside, but they're dead. They don't have the life of God in them. See, Matthew believed that it was not your religious stature, but faith and complete surrender to Jesus that makes the difference in our lives. It wasn't what you knew it was about surrendering to Jesus that makes the difference. 
See, Matthew believed that the fallible follower, like him, even if you're filled with doubts and fear and all those, then you are still called, you are still needed, you are still able to serve in the kingdom of God and be useful in God's kingdom. So Matthew is called to be a disciple. So let's hear what his call is actually like. And we find it in in Matthew's gospel, in chapter 9, verses 9 through to 13. And put it up on the screen for us. And as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Can you kind of kind of picture the scene? You know, and, and often the, the taxes are being collected, um, like at bridges and crossing ways. They're like they're like um, like our M, you know, our motorway tolls that we kind of have. You know, we don't have like the, the, the little toll passes you drive through, beep, and it's been collected. Um, but you'd have people sitting on there, and as you went by, they would want to exact the money from them. And they were sitting at their table. You know, we call it a booth. They might have had a little cover over the top. Um, might have been a little cutout on a wall, but it, they were sitting there and they were waiting for people to go by and they were getting the money. And as Jesus is just walking by, passing Matthew, he goes and looks at him and he says, follow me and be my disciple. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. You know, so, so he's wanting to reciprocate. So he's left his livelihood. He's coming and listening to what Jesus is talking about and been coming and being told that he can be a disciple, a follower, exactly what the religious leaders of the day had said you can't be. You're not allowed in the synagogue. You're not allowed to have this. Jesus says, come with me. I don't see that you are unclean. I don't see that you are this horrible person. I want you. And so he comes and he invites not only Jesus and the disciples, but he brings along all his friends that he knew from his previous life, the life of a tax collector. So along with many tax collectors and other, I like this, disreputable sinners. I love the way it puts that. So people who aren't in the nice club. Um, But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why did you teach it with such scum? I love how, you know, such horrible people. And when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. See, the thing about the call of Matthew is he knew that he was a sinner. He knew that he had done wrong things, yet he was still invited and called. He was shown mercy by Jesus just by inviting him in and drawing him to be a part of what Jesus wants him to be, invite him to be a disciple, to say that the love of God is for you as well. You are not restricted. You are not eliminated. You are not pushed aside, but you are welcome. You're a tax collector, the lowest of lowest, mentioned in scriptures alongside, you know, the criminals and prostitutes and all those other things that, that are seen as the horrible people. 
He joins Jesus calls them to be a follower, whereas the religious leaders excluded them. Now there is hope. That's hope in somebody's life. Having been excluded time and time again, having been spat on, ridiculed, pushed aside, here is hope. He says, you can follow me. You can be one of my disciples. God loves you and God is for you. See, Jesus brings a sense of wholeness to Matthew's life that had been missing, that had been moved aside, restricted. Now, everyone, and I want to say everybody has a past, don't they? Now, if we look, go over our life, and, you know, for, for some of us that are younger, you know, our lives are shorter, but we still have a past. There are still things that we've done that we may not have been proud of. But for those of us who are a little bit older, um, you know, our life has passed and we can remember times when we've done the wrong thing or said the wrong thing or behaved in the wrong way. We all have a past. And, you know, Jesus doesn't look at that. Some of our past may be checkered and others, it may be a really good life. But we know it's not what's on the outside that matters. We know when it's not what's, what's there, but it's who Jesus sees us to be, who God sees us. See, when, when our lives are seen through the lens of the cross of Christ, through Jesus' saving acts, our past doesn't matter. God sees the love of Christ for each and every one of us. God sees the great plan for our lives. God sees with Jesus' eyes that you are worthy of everything. And see, when Jesus was questioned why he called Matthew, why he was mixing with people who were, had a checkered past and a checkered background, he says that he came for them. See, our lives, our lives are changed through knowing Jesus. Now, I want to say, you know, we, we, we live in a world where there are huge amount. you know, you go into a bookshop. I know they're a dying breed, but there are bookshops around there. But you go into a bookshop and there'll be a sec big section on self-help, how to improve yourself, how to make yourself better. If, you, if you're into the modern world, there's lots of YouTube videos on, on how to be better about yourself, how to do all sorts of things, how to improve yourself. And I want to say, you know, that all those things are great. All those processes are great. The strategies they put in place are great. I want to, don't want to say, don't listen to any of that because a lot of it is really good advice on how to improve yourself. But what they miss out is on a critical element of it is that Jesus changes lives. If you have a look at some of the biggest changes in people's lives, you will see that when they have a close personal encounter with Jesus, their lives have changed. Take, for instance, the Apostle Paul, as we find, he was persecuting the early church and, and you know, stoning people to death. And yet he encounters the risen, resurrected Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus and his life is changed and he goes and changes that. He no longer persecutes. He talks to everybody about Jesus. 180 degree turn. Life is changed. And we can take lots of different examples. If we go in the Old and the New Testament alike, you can see time and time again accounts 
of how God takes ordinary lives with ordinary failures and makes them extraordinary disciples for Jesus Christ's glory. It also reminds me, you know, this is not the only time Jesus interacts with the tax collector. It reminds me and, and has a meal with them. And, you know, I, I want to just share with you another story. And this time I'm going to take it from Luke's account. And it's of another tax collector and the change that comes over his life. It comes from Luke chapter 19. And we're going to start at verse 1 and 2. And Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. Uh, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. Now the little short man that climbed a tree. Uh, he was a chief tax collector. So he wasn't even just a little one sitting under the... He was a chief one, you know, looking over a region. And he became very rich. And we know the story that he was trying... He'd heard about Jesus and he wanted to, you know, get involved, you know, wanted to see him and hear him and look at him. And he was so short that everybody else was around. Um, and he, need, he climbed up a tree in order to have a good look and find out who this Jesus person was. So he climbs up that tree and then Jesus points to him and says, I'm coming to your place. So Zacchaeus quickly climbs down, took Jesus to his house in great excitement and you can understand why he would have great excitement and joy, wouldn't you? If he's a tax collector, what's been happening? He's been ostracised, he's been pushed aside, he's been spat on, he's been the one that nobody wants to know and yet here is this religious leader with disciples following him talking about the great love of God and he's going, I'm coming to your place. And he's with great excitement and he's going, yes, somebody's coming to me, to my place. But the people were displeased, they were all around. How would, he's gone to the guest of a notorious sinner? They kept on grumbling. I, I'm sure this is the nice version of it. I'm sure they wrote it in, you know, they said things in much nastier ways. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus then stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. He was a changed man. He's a person who's been collecting money, taking ill-gotten gains, getting rich. And he says, I'm going to give half my wealth to the poor, first and foremost. And Lord, if I've cheated people of their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. He's a changed man. In the encounter with Jesus, changed him. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Can you, can you hear it again? It's not just for those who think they are right, but Jesus came for everybody, for those that may have had a checkered past. But knowing Jesus and getting to know him, he will change you. The thing we need to know is that we are not defined by our past. Our past doesn't have to define who we are. We can break free from it. And as a disciple or a follower of Jesus, we are no longer defined by our past, but we are defined on who Jesus sees us to be. Jesus sees each and every one of you as worthy. He sees you as a person that is special. He sees you as a person that is loved, that is important, and he wants to be with you. So when you have accepted Jesus as Lord and Saviour of your life, 
just as the Apostle Matthew did. You are no longer seen through the lens of your past. You are seen through the lens of the saving acts of Jesus. God doesn't see the sins. He sees what Jesus has done. He sees the act of Jesus. And he loves you. There's no barrier anymore that's been broken by Jesus. So being called as disciple means that we break free from our past. It means that we are made new in Jesus. And that I am truly thankful for. And it's such a wonderful thing, a wonderful gift. I want to just to pray for a moment. I want you to just take whatever posture that you, you need for yourself that will help you to really come before God in prayer. So if that means closing your eyes, then close your eyes. If that means praying with your eyes open, then that's fine, praying with your eyes open. But I want you to really come before God in prayer today. So Lord God, we pray today that we may be able to break free from our past. Lord, when things keep on raising its head from our past, things, deeds that we may have done that we are not proud of, Lord, I want you to help break free from this. Help us to realise that we are loved, that we are chosen, that Jesus calls us and we are special. Lord, I pray that we will know that we are forgiven through the love of Jesus Christ in our lives. Oh Lord, I pray that we may know that we are made new and whole in Jesus' love and our lives may reflect this. Lord, I pray that we will live into our new life in Jesus Christ, that we will not turn back to our past ways, but we will turn to the future in Jesus. Our life is changed. We are no longer defined by our past. We are defined by you, our Lord. Our Lord, I pray that we may have the hope and the joy and the privilege that we can only know through your call upon our lives, through your love found in Jesus Christ. I pray this in your holy name. Amen.